It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, in this corner, from the University of Colorado, 30 years in the ring, fighting for truth, justice, and the American way, Dan Kaplan. And Dan is off today, this being Good Friday, and for all those of you who celebrate Christians and Catholics alike, this remembrance of Jesus on the cross and his... Resurrection on Sunday being Easter, of course, and Passover starting for our Jewish listeners out there. We're in the middle of Ramadan for this entire month. So to all who celebrate, all who are religious, who practice a faith that have a holiday going on, we hope it's going well for you. On this Friday, Ryan Schuling filling in. Christy Burton-Brown will be back on Monday. She hosted yesterday's show. And then Dan will return in earnest on Tuesday. Just got off the phone with Representative Ken Buck. He'll be joining us an hour from right now, talking about the landscape of the Republican Party in Colorado and nationwide. The race is coming up in November and what his outlook is for that. So Representative Buck will be joining us again in one hour at 5.06 p.m. Mountain Time. John Kellner joined us also in hour two. He is running for attorney general as the Republican candidate, the lone candidate on the ballot. And he will be joining us about the breaking news coming out of the Colorado General Assembly that reduces the amount of fentanyl possession required for a felony charge from four grams to one gram. That was a compromise verdict in some ways. It was a victory in other ways for those who oppose having lenient laws and sentences regarding fentanyl. Again, the intent to distribute being a very key determining factor there and not just mere possession for one's own use. And John will get further into those details coming up at 536. Here in hour number one at 436. Representative Dave Let's Go Brandon Williams. Yes, that's what he wants to be referred to as. He is running in the 5th Congressional District in the primary against sitting incumbent Republican Representative Doug Lamborn. A fascinating story. We saw something similar to this uh, just a couple of years ago in 2020 when Lauren Boebert ran head-to-head against Scott Tipton in District 3, and she won in her primary challenge. We'll get to the reasons why Dave felt he wanted to run and challenge an incumbent Republican. And I assume there might be similar threads and themes between his race and that of Lauren Boebert two years ago. We start, however, we're glad to be joined by the president and CEO of the Colorado Oil and Gas Association, also known as COGA for short. And we'll get to him in just a moment. But there's a setup story I want to play for you just to orient you to where we are in this energy crisis of the Biden administration. It's not a Putin price hike. That is a misnomer. That is a head fake. That is illegitimate. That is hashtag fake news. This was a little over a month ago, March 10th. CBS4, Sean Boyd, the reporter, and our next guest 
was her guest in this interview. Prices already going up these past few months, then the war in Ukraine. CBS4 political specialist Sean Boyd is with us in the studio tonight. And Sean, the U.S. imports most of its oil and gas, but we could produce a lot more. Mm -hmm. Yep, we are the fifth largest crude oil producer in the country here in Colorado. Yet, despite increased demand, Colorado's production is down. The industry blames a lack of political will to develop energy here and warns the implications are significant for the economy, the environment, and national security. As the price at the pump hits a record high, the Biden administration is turning to countries like Iran, Venezuela, and Saudi Arabia for help, instead of tapping companies right here in Colorado. We want to be a part of the solution, and we want to get people back to work and drilling. Dan Haley, head of the Colorado Oil and Gas Association, says U.S. reliance on Russian oil and gas increased in the lead-up to the war, with record imports last summer, even as production in Colorado has dropped 30 We need to decide as a country, where do we want to get our energy from? Do we want to get it from Russia, a hostile country that takes over other countries? Do we want to get it from Venezuela, a country we've already put sanctions on? Do we want to get it from Iran? Do we want to get it from Saudi Arabia that doesn't have the environmental protections that we have, the labor standards we have, or the human rights standards we have? Or do we want to develop it in Colorado, in this country, using local workers under the toughest environmental standards in the world? While other states have now started to ramp up production, Haley says a Colorado state law passed in 2019 has slowed investment and recovery here. A University of Colorado study noted oil and gas companies are pulling their regional headquarters out of the state, due in part to regulations that have slowed permitting. The industry averaged 30 permits a month before the law, Haley says. Last year, it received five. And he says there are more than 30 awaiting approval right now. We understand we need to meet a high standard in the state. We're just asking for a quicker review process. He admits Colorado can't solve the global oil shortage, but he says it could help. These are pocketbook issues, so they hit you in the pocketbook and you're, you feel the pain at the pump. But think about where we are in terms of the geopolitical implications of this and being beholden on foreign countries for our energy. Even if the state expedites permits, Haley says it will take at least three months for operators to ramp up production. The industry shed 9,000 jobs over the last two years. But he says 30 permits translates into thousands of barrels of Mm. oil a day. And that, he says, would at least help bring gas prices down in Colorado. Sean Boyd, the voice you hear there from CBS4, and joining us now, the subject of that story from just over a month ago, President and CEO of the Colorado Oil and Gas Association, Dan Haley. Dan, thank you for your time. Thanks for joining us here on the Dan Kaplan Show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Dan, I wanted to follow up and and have you hear your words from just over a month ago when this all began, the war in Ukraine, the blaming of Putin, the Putin price hike. Now here we stand on April 15th. What has changed in that time from your perspective? In that time, it's gotten even worse, frankly. Uh, We're in a spot right now where there is no coherent energy policy for this country. We've had for the last year the president of the United States asking OPEC and foreign countries to produce more oil uh, for us. He's worried about gasoline prices. Now he's talking about tapping the strategic reserve in a, in a way to try to bring down uh, that price, which would eliminate oil that we have been saving for uh, geopolitical issues. Not, it's not designed to bring down prices for consumers during a midterm election year. Yeah, you know, I, I obviously we understand that 
that prices are high, and it's difficult for people who are having to make you know make that uh, decision about what to pay for food, rent, heat, medicine, your fuel for your car, and so uh, it is a it's a trying problem for everybody. But there are better answers than what we're getting right now from the federal government and certainly from our state government here in Colorado. And on that note, Dan, what do you say to Democrats like Nancy Pelosi? We see the talking points, Diana DeGette right here in Denver, who say it's the greedy oil companies who are driving up prices and gouging consumers at the pump and taking advantage of this situation. What's your response to that? Yeah, first of all, we've seen a 30 percent decrease in production here in in Colorado. And you saw the Biden administration immediately ending Uh, lease sales, talking about banning uh, oil and gas. And so when you've got uh, someone, the leader of the free world, campaigning for office, saying we're going to end this product, we're going to end oil and gas, we're going to ban fracking, we're going to stop the Keystone Pipeline on day one, we're going to stop oil and gas leasing, that has a chilling effect on this industry. It has a chilling effect on the investment that comes into this industry that, that is necessary to allow us to produce these resources. And then for them to turn around and, and look at us and say, why aren't you drilling more? I think the exact quote from uh, the president's uh, press secretary was, what do you need, an embroidered invitation? Um, we have about 2,500 leases that have been tied up in court by environmental activists over the past year across the country. And it's not just leases. You need air permits. You need permits for pipelines. We need right-of-way. It's a, you know, it's a complicated process. And so it, to me, it all boils down to this idea that we need a, a a comprehensive and uh, easy to comprehend energy policy in, in this country. We need to have the political will to say, we know we need oil and gas for the long foreseeable future. And as you heard in that report from, from Sean Boyd, the federal government will tell you that. They say, we know we need this product through at least 2050, and that's as far out as they project. So it's probably well beyond that you're going to need this product. So where do you want to get it from? To me, this is one of the most important questions of our time. We know we need this energy. You want to get it from a country like Russia, which is trying to establish energy dominance through military dominance, or do you want to get it from the United States? Or do you want to get it from Saudi Arabia? It doesn't have the same labor standards, the same environmental standards, the same human rights standards. It's a no-brainer question, but it's one we're having a really hard time coming together and solving and answering as a country. Dan, I have so many more questions. Are you able to stay with us through a break here? I can. Awesome. Really appreciate your time and your patience. Dan Haley joining us. He's the president and CEO of the Colorado Oil and Gas Association. We'll get into more of the details as to why COGA is hamstrung by the current Biden administration and by our own government here in the state of Colorado from unleashing the power of American energy, both on a global scale and here domestically, which would do so much to relieve gas prices, energy prices for Coloradans statewide. I'm Ryan Schuling filling in. This is the Dan Campbell. Show. Joe Biden is doing to America exactly what German leaders in the early 2000s did when they shut down their nuclear power plants and said we're going to depend on Russia. There's no difference. Biden is shutting down, diminishing America's fossil fuel supplies, driving up the prices because of his adherence to the Green New Deal. If he'd increase energy, it'd be the strongest thing he could do to combat inflation. Ari Fleischer, you heard there, former spokesperson for the George W. Bush administration, and continuing our conversation now with the president and CEO of COGA, that's the Colorado um, 
excuse me, Colorado Oil and Gas Association, Dan Haley, joining us now. Uh, Dan, you heard what Ari Fleischer said. There are politics involved here, adherence to a Green New Deal kind of strategy or principles, I suppose, and doing it at the expense of an organization and an industry like yours. All the while, and you said this in your conversation with Sean Boyd a month ago, importing some of the dirtiest oil from hostile nations abroad like Venezuela and Iran. Uh, what do you make of the Biden administration and what they're doing with energy right now. That, that's been the most frustrating thing to watch is when you look at this and you apply logic to it, it just it makes your head want to explode. Uh, the, the Biden administration, as I said, is asking foreign governments for to increase their oil production. If he truly cared about the environment, he was worried about emissions and adding more carbon and, and transporting oil, you know, across the ocean. Uh, he wouldn't be doing that. He would be talking to American producers about how can we produce this resource here. Ari Fleischer got it exactly right in that what happened in Germany and parts of, of Europe, they have the energy that they need right now. They chose not to use it. They went all in on renewables. They abandoned their nuclear. And when they realized that renewables couldn't work at the rate that they needed them to work, they began importing from Russia. Last summer, our imports of Russian oil hit record highs in May and June of, of last year, long before uh, Putin invaded invaded Ukraine, which then exacerbated that problem. But you, again, so if the president was talking about, you know, I, I believe in renewables. I know we need to get there someday. But right now, we need to invest in this industry. We need to support the oil and gas industry. We need to build the Keystone XL pipeline. We need to get workers back to work. He could drop the price of gasoline overnight just by saying that thing by saying those words, because people would hear that, understand that this is our future and, and would invest in this resource. And you would see those prices come down instead of trying to tap the strategic reserve. And so the same thing's happening in Colorado. It's very frustrating when you're over at the state house and we're testifying on bills and, and lawmakers are entertaining bills that only add uncertainty to the process. We already have the toughest environmental standards in the country, if not the world, here in Colorado. Mm -hmm. So instead of talking about duplicating those rules right now at a time like this, when Coloradans are paying $4 a gallon for gasoline, paying more to heat their homes, going to be paying more to cool their homes this summer, we should be around the table figuring out how can we get energy to people? How can we increase energy? If that includes wind, solar, nuclear, hydro, let's have that discussion. But we know that oil and gas has carried the load for the last century in this country and is going to continue to do that. So let's have that discussion. How do we get energy to people? Access to affordable, efficient energy is a human right. And we shouldn't have to, you shouldn't, you know, freeze to death in this country. You shouldn't die of heat exhaustion in this country. And we are going to move ourselves down the path of what you've seen happen in Europe, and, and we're seeing it happen in California. California is a state that has made it very inhospitable for oil and gas to operate. They have uh, decreased oil and gas production by 60%, but they have not decreased their consumption of it. So they're importing their oil from foreign countries, and even the governor, Gavin Newsom, has said that is not a good environmental strategy. No, brownouts, rolling blackouts in California, they're famous for them. They don't have a comprehensive energy strategy there. Dan Haley joining us. Follow him on Twitter at DanHaleyCO. And looking forward, Dan, you've touched on a couple of things here, and I want to kind of tie them together. The embroidered invitation comment from Jen Psaki. This is a person, and it's not just her, but so many on the left are completely ignorant of how it works in your industry, what it takes to develop land 
for drilling, excavation of oil and natural yeah. gas. She mentioned, and they keep repeating this line of like, oh, they've got 9,000 unused leases. They're just sitting there. Why are they sitting there? But you mentioned earlier there's a difference between leases for land and permits to drill. And those are only two elements here. Take us through that process again. And, and where is the bottleneck where this is all getting kind of slowed down? Sure. Well, on the federal level, we have not had a federal lease sale in this state since the Biden administration took over in January of 2021. Today, this afternoon, in fact, they announced that they were going to open up some land for leasing. They've reduced the amount available by 80 percent and they have increased the royalties by 50 percent. So, again, an incomprehensive energy policy, but a small good step in the right direction. Uh, but they've shut down that production on federal lands. In Colorado, that production would be for dry natural gas, which is important. It's the product we need to power our homes and power our lives, but it's not going to change the price at the pump. So people then turn and say, why can't you produce more oil? And they think that there's some magic spigot that we can turn on. <laughs> our companies want to make responsible business decisions. So when we apply for a permit in Colorado, it can now take up to a year to get that permit. And then it might take another year before that, that uh the land is, is producing any oil. Yet we saw a month ago, the state rejected a permit to drill for oil in Weld County that would have brought 2 million barrels of oil onto the system in the next year or two. The local government had approved that, but the state rejected it. Now, again, to that point that was mentioned in the Sean Boyd piece, we're not going to we're not going to solve this global supply problem from Colorado, but we can do our part. But we're not going to do our part if we're rejecting permits that can produce up to 2 million barrels of oil. And so much of your industry depends on speculation and investment. And if there's a throttle on your industry, like you just described, Dan, there is no incentive for people to invest or to speculate on new lands, new permits, if they're not going to happen or if it's a dead-end investment. That just doesn't make any economic sense, even though there's the demand for it. What I have to wonder, and we only got about a minute left here, why hasn't Joe Biden or a member of his administration, Secretary of Energy, let's say Jennifer Granholm, reached out to people like you, at least have a conversation? Has that happened? Will it happen? We have not had that conversation. Uh, she, There's a, a clip of her that goes around on the Internet of her laughing. Yeah. When they asked, what do you do to bring down oil prices? Prices will stay high if politicians continue to promise to crush domestic supply of oil and natural gas. There's just no two ways about that. The rest of the world's not going to bail us out from this issue. We have the resources we need. We need the political will to develop them. And it just seems like such a political loser for the left here. I don't understand Democrats going down this primrose path. Yes, you're going to have your hard left Green New Dealers that are going to get angry if Biden reverses policy here. But there are so many more Americans who are hurting, maybe traditionally voting Democrat, that are going to abandon the party. I don't even get the strategy here, Dan. I, I don't either. And that's the most frustrating thing. Is this is a real issue impacting real people. And again, the people who are making a decision about are they going to pay their rent? Are they going to buy medicine, food? or energy. That's not how we should be in this country. Dan Haley, President, CEO of the Colorado Oil and Gas Association, COGA. Follow him on Twitter at Dan Haley CEO. Dan, thank you so much. Great conversation. Best of luck going forward. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Dan Haley joining us here, looking to bring down the prices at the pumps and in your homes. Ryan Schuling filling in on the Dan Kaplis Show. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's right, Representative Dave Let's Go Brandon Williams joining us here. That is his moniker, that is his mantra, that is part of his campaign theme. If you look him up on Twitter, it's Rep Dave Williams. It's a photo of him with none other than our 45th president, Donald Trump. He's a candidate for Colorado's 5th Congressional District and, according to his Twitter bio, first Latino elected as representative for Colorado's House District 15. That's in the General Assembly. He's looking to take the step up to U.S. House. He's one of the bright, young, rising stars in the Colorado Republican Party. I've crossed paths with him a few times here and there on Twitter, but talking to him now for the first time. Let's go, Brandon. Dave Williams, how you doing? I'm doing great. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> it's it's something that spun out of a NASCAR interview and became a pop culture sensation. You've decided to affix it to your campaign, your very name altogether, as you go against Doug Lamborn head-to-head in the GOP primary for that U.S. House seat, Dave. What went into that decision? Why have you embraced that? You know, it was a nickname that uh, we thought was appropriate. You know, people you know, have been saying it to me, you know, ever since it's become a, uh, pop culture, you know, sensation as you put it. And I just wanted to be a part of it because that it encapsulates everything that I'm trying to do. you know, if I, if I am elected, which we will get elected, um, I'm going to be a wrecking ball. I'm going to be a wrecking ball to the corrupt establishment in DC. And I don't care, you know, what political party it is. It's come high time that, you know, the American people and specifically the people of the 5th Congressional in Colorado are served um, by patriots who are going to, you know, pursue America first uh, conservative principles. Let's talk about that district, the 5th, as you mentioned it, Dave, Uh, going now from a partisan lean of 21 Republican to plus 19 and geographically an area that's a little bit more tightly constrained to Colorado Springs and the surrounding area. We have our listeners down there as well on KCSJ in Pueblo, and you're speaking to them right now. Your decision to go head-to-head with Doug Lamborn, a sitting incumbent Republican member of the House, it's not unprecedented. It just happened with Scott Tipton in the 3rd District and Lauren Boebert's challenge of him, and she was successful. How much did Boebert's success factor into your decision, Dave? I think it factored in greatly. I mean, Lauren Boebert, you know, she's a godsend. I don't think a lot of people quite understood what she was doing, but she was definitely a trailblazer. I, I've been uh, joking around, half-joking, because it's true, but nevertheless, it's still a good joke. I tell the constituents down here, I'm just going to be like Lauren Boebert, just not as pretty, and instead of open carry, I'm going to conceal my weapon. <laughs> you know, the, but that that's what the, the voters demand. That's what Republican you know, uh, districts want. We have a safe Republican district here 
in the fifth CD, and we should be leading the charge, right? I mean, in, in less than a year, Lauren Boebert has risen to um, national influence and, and is a prominent figure you know, in our party because she's taken the fight each and every day to the Democrats. And she has more name ID, more popularity, more influence than our current incumbent, Doug Lamborn, ever had in the 16 years he's been in, in Congress. The guy has, he's, he's not up to the task, especially with these radical Democrats and the Biden regime. You know, we need a fighter there. And, you know, I aim to give it to him. Now, this is going to violate the tenets, and I'm a little bit older than you, but Ronald Reagan set them forth long ago, and I know he's an idol of both yours and mine, Dave, and that is thou shalt not speak ill of a fellow Republican. But you're in a primary, you're running for a reason, you're going head-to-head with Doug Lamborn, you're taking him on. It's not an easy thing to unseat an incumbent. As you mentioned, it's in a predominantly red Republican district. But what about Doug Lamborn's performance in the House do you take issue with? Are there votes of his that you can point to and say, hey, wait a minute, you're not representing the people of your district the way that I would. Delineate the differences between the two of you, if you would, please. You you bet. I'd be happy to do that. And I just one point I'd make is that don't forget that Ronald Reagan primary Gerald Ford, for good reason, by the way. <laughs> um, number, number one, Doug Lamborn. Um, you know, he, he campaigns as a conservative, but then when he actually gets into office, he votes contrary to our principles, primarily through the funding measures that we see um, so often uh, come out of Washington through the omnibus bills, right? I guarantee you that none of these congressmen are reading 2,000-page omnibus bills that are passed in the dead of night. They're just doing it for whatever reason. Leadership tells them to do it, or they're pressured one way or the other. But one specific vote that I'll point to is this happened in 2018. It was called the it was H.R. 1625, the Consolidated Appropriations Act. It had funding for Planned Parenthood to the tune of $500 million. That's number one. In that bill also, though, it had funding for sanctuary cities and had funding for uh, gun control enforcement. Just recently, um, this past December, as well as um, in the first version uh, in September, Doug voted to authorize the, the National Defense Authorization Act. And the reason that's problematic is because of how all these woke policies in it. It, it had funding for uh, critical race theory training yeah. with our members of the military. It originally had a red flag gun confiscation uh, provision in there that was thanks, thankfully sh- uh, stripped out. But there was other stuff as well. I think it also had, you know, it did. It had abortion drug treatment funding as well uh, through, you know, like Plan B um, uh, pills, for instance. Um, it had all these things in it. So I would argue that, you know, you can campaign as a conservative, but if you're putting taxpayer dollars to all the leftist, liberal, woke policies that the Democrats are pushing, then you're no better than the Democrats. Representative I mean, Dave, let, let's go Brandon Williams joining us here. He is a candidate in the 5th Congressional primary against Doug Lamborn. Is it just the two of you in the race now, Dave? Has that been decided? Well, no, there's there's uh, two other candidates that are also... You know, in the two race. other trying to you know, primary him. Yeah, yeah. Wow. There, I mean, there's there's not a lot of people that are happy with Doug Lamborn, which is why he gets primaried pretty much every single time he runs, and that's because he doesn't fight for anyone here in the fifth congressional, and he's not voting um, in line with our conservative principles. Uh, he's he is Scott Tipton 2.0, right? And so, yeah, there's an opportunity to have uh, such a red wave of not just Republicans coming into office, but during the primaries, having MAGA 
crazy America first, you know, God fearing patriots to to win these primaries, and that's what we're going to do come June. Dave, talk to me about your process in getting on the ballot. I've talked to several candidates now and through Christy Burton-Brown as well. You chose one of two paths, and that was either to get the signatures by petition and a candidate, say, like Joe O'Day did that for the Senate, and then there is a candidate like Ron Hanks, like uh, Tina Peters, that went to the Assembly, that generated the support, that got to the 30% threshold and got those votes at the Assembly. Which path did you choose, and why did you choose it? I chose the assembly route. You know, unlike Doug Lamborn, who purchased his way on the ballot through the petition route, which you know that's lawful, but it's also you know one of those ways where you avoid having to actually look the voters in the eye, right, and explain to them your record and your vision for how you're going to serve them. I said to myself, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I can raise the money to easily petition on, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go to the people directly, the grassroots Republican base. who are, These voters are informed. They have my phone numbers, my contact information. They can look me in the eye. They can ask me the tough questions. And my calculus was simple. If I can't, if I can't get a minimum of 150 or 200 votes uh, to get onto the ballot, then I have no business running you know, for Congress. And thank God, you know, at the Assembly, you know, the voters really, they really embraced me. You know, it was about 75% of the vote that I won. You know, there were two other candidates that tried to get on, but, you know, they failed to meet the threshold. And it was a bunch of, you know, Dave Williams signs, you know, waving in the air and hooting and hollering and booing Doug Lamborn. For whatever reason, Doug showed up to the assembly and he did not get a, a warm welcome. And it's for good reason. He hasn't served us. And we need new leadership. We can do better. Final question, Dave, and this is important, and it goes to the heart of what the Republicans are trying to accomplish in the 2022 election. That is the exodus of the Latino vote from Democrats traditionally to more of a Republican uh, wave, if you will. And you're part of that. You're part of the Latino community. I have to think that the woke, as you put it, uh, extremes on the left, and they typically come from college-educated white liberals slapping a label like Latinx on Latino Americans. That's offensive. I, I would think, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to speak for you, but a lot of people have told me that who are Latino themselves. How would you explain and describe Hispanic voters right now, Latino voters, and why they are migrating in such large numbers? We're seeing it in the polling for Joe Biden away from the Democrats and toward the Republicans. Sure. I think they see, you know, right off the bat that all of the promises Democrats have made are they're not they're not coming. They're not coming about They're The policies are all failures and they only end up hurting not only that community, but, uh, you know, all Americans. And I think there is an offense um, that's clearly there. I mean, when you try to take a language, you know, that it, that has a masculine and feminine form, embedded in it and try to do away with that and put Latinx, it kind of just shows you that these people are insane. And it, it undercuts, you know, not only the language, but also the culture. Um, people, people are fed up. They want to live the lives they want to live, and they want government to stay out of their business um, and pretty much just do the bare minimum of providing public safety and, you know, providing roads, infrastructure, and the like. And they see that the government is out of control out of control on all levels and it's starting to affect their personal lives and don't forget these people 
these people are deeply religious. They're, you know, a lot of them are good, you know, Catholics who are in line with our, um, our the issues, the social issues uh, that the party embraces in our platform. So there's there's major opportunity um, to win them over in mass, and Trump really started that in '16, mm-hmm. and it's only it's only gone in our direction ever since. He is currently a representative in the General Assembly for Colorado House District 15, running for the 5th Congressional seat in Colorado as part of a four-person primary going up against incumbent Republican Representative Doug Lamborn. want to reemphasize that uh, open invitation for Representative Lamborn to join Dan on this program. We intend to do that. But to find out more about Dave, let's go Brandon Williams. You can check him out online, daveforcolorado.com. That's Dave, F-O-R, colorado.com. And follow him on Twitter at Rep. Dave Williams. Dave, great conversation. Appreciate your time. Best of luck in the primary campaign with the vote coming up in June. I appreciate it. Let's go, Brandon. There it is. Representative Dave, let's go, Brandon Williams. It's in his Twitter handle bio, and it's on his campaign slogans and signs as well. Ryan Schuling filling in. This is the Dan Kaplis Show. Inviting your calls on the other side as well. That's 1-855-405-8255. Your thoughts on what you heard from Dave Williams, what you heard earlier as well on the topic of the Colorado oil and gas industry. We're looking forward to having Dan Haley back on this program with an update should he be able to provide one and stay tuned coming up at the top of the hour representative ken buck from colorado's fourth district in congress will join us on this program one more time the phone number 855-405-8255 to join us here on the dan kaplis show And finally, the political impact at home. First of all, you've got inflationary pressure, real pressure in a midterm election year. You also have environmentalists criticizing the president because of his focus on increasing the supply of fossil fuels through the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, through ethanol now, uh, the increase of ethanol in in the summer gas component. Uh, All of this is hurting the environmental goals, the climate goals of candidate Joe Biden. Oh, boo-hoo. Ryan Schuling back filling in for Dan Kaplis. That was Andrea Mitchell, NBC News, as Rush Limbaugh used to say. And the absolute audacity of these people, it's one of two things. Either they don't remember what it was like to be a regular person, working class person, their roots, wherever they came from. They don't have any recollection of that, or they never were there in the first place. They were a spoon-fed born with a silver spoon in their mouth, like Michael Bennett. Look up his history. He wasn't born here. He's not from here. I'm not either. I don't claim to be. But for a guy pretending to represent Colorado who grew up on the East Coast who attended a private school, I'm not saying those are all any bad things, but what experience in Michael Bennett's life, who was born in New Delhi, India, who traveled the world, who had wealthy, well-to-do parents, how can he relate to the average Coloradan? He can claim to. But how can he legitimately relate to the struggle that so many of us are enduring right now? These are people, they don't go shopping like you and me every day in the grocery store. They don't pump their own gas. They don't even pay attention to the price of the gas pump. It doesn't matter to them. 
Listen to Andrea Mitchell right there. What is she concerned about? What is she really <laughs> wrapped up in? Oh, the Green New Deal. He's going to really aggravate and anger all oh, those radical environmentalists on the left if he increases ethanol and gasoline that's going to pollute the atmosphere. Where are these people when it comes to China or India? Some of the massive polluters on the planet. I made this allusion earlier for those of you listening on 630 KHOW in Denver and a special hello to KCOL listeners in Fort Collins and KCSJ listeners down in Pueblo and Colorado Springs. But that is, when we look at energy consumption right now in this Green New Deal business, you know, who is it affecting most? Who is it impacting and hurting the most? Well, one, it's the people I just talked about. It's everyday working class Americans who are living paycheck to paycheck, who have to choose between buying gasoline or doing anything uh, socially outside of that. I mean, these are hard choices. How are they going to pay their bills next month? How are they going to meet their rent obligation? These are the hard choices being made. And Democrats are so out of touch. All they are concerned with is this Green New Deal initiative. And it's not that we should forgo the environment or kick it to the curb. But it's like we talked about earlier in this hour. There's a way to kind of meet in the middle, but there's no compromise coming from the left. They refuse to expand domestic oil and natural gas drilling. And that includes right here in Colorado. And we'll talk about this more in detail with Representative Ken Buck, who's coming up next, joining us right here on The Dan Kaplan Show. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.